Coming up, our first big NBA trade of the offseason. Draft stuff. Rosillo, Father's Day. Let's go. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's, that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I have new rewatchables coming for you, I think, Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, we might be able to get it up in time on Monday night. It is a franchise movie starring Harrison Ford. And that's all I'm going to tell you. Coming up on this podcast, we were hoping that there would be a trade this weekend so Rosella and I would have something to talk about. The NBA trade gods, they obliged. We have a lot to cover. NBA draft in four days. Lots of people on the block. What's your favorite ideal trade? We're going to swap some ideas. It's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, taping this a little past three o'clock. There was Bradley Beal stuff all weekend. Ryan Rosillo was here. We were hoping there would be some sort of trade, whether it was Beal, Dame Lillard, just something. Give us anything to hit on Sunday. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, my kids didn't even get me a Father's Day present. They just feel like every day is, is a holiday for me because I'm related to them. It turns out my Father's Day present was a Bradley Beal trade, and it was a weird weird trade. We knew it was going to get weird this weekend, Rosillo, because he was like, ah, Miami or Phoenix, those two sound good. And it's like, well, Phoenix doesn't have any first round picks basically for the rest of the decade. And Miami is too smart to go all in on a Bradley Beal trade. They'll, you know, they'll do bargain basement shopping. Um, and Washington ends up just settling for basically Chris Paul, Shamit, and between three and 37 second round picks. Where do you want to start? You take us. Uh, let's start with this. I think it's stupid for Phoenix. And I think the other part that we have to get into that we can spend some time on is also, uh, who Beal is, right? It's like trying to talk through what we all think of Beal in the NBA as he turns 30 later this month. But the first part of this is, you know, I know like the way we've talked about super teams is that I, I, I felt like that was the norm. So whoever was building a team had to deal with Miami, right? They had to deal with Golden State. 
they had to deal with Cleveland. The Lakers part of their run of winning it with AD and LeBron a few years ago, a big part of that story all season long was when are they getting their third guy? Because we were just conditioned to believe that whoever was the NBA favorite had to be a big three. And what happened is it just kind of stopped. It, it, it just stopped, even though other teams were trying to do it. Certainly Brooklyn was trying to do it two different times. It felt like Philly was was flirting with the idea. Um, but we really it didn't have it. It stopped because the league got too talented. Yeah, it's I mean, too you hard could, to just have three guys and do the 2012 Miami Heat model. Basically, you can't do it. I don't think in this day and age. Right, and I think like there could be some argument to adding Drew Holiday to Middleton and Giannis. Maybe, um, you know, Chris Paul towards the end when they were in the finals a couple of years ago, losing to Milwaukee with he Booker and then Aiton. I mean, that doesn't seem all that accurate, right? So, I, I felt like we always watched going, well, who's who's the next team that's going to add that third guy? And what we've seen recently now is that we have these championships because there is no other team. There isn't a team mm. with the established three guys that obviously the best versions of it are Miami, Golden State, and then probably that second Cleveland run. So um, the other part is that like with Jokic having this run, I think a lot of dumb things are being said, being like, that's the way to do it. It's like, yeah, if you have Jokic, it's the way to do it. <laughs> like it's so dismissive right. of who Jokic is. So. If we just start from the Phoenix part of this, even though the price is nothing, as you astutely point out, the no trade thing, you know, I don't know if the market was going to be that hot for him without a no trade. This package coming back feels like it's atrocious for Washington. But the Phoenix part of this, to now have these four guys, including Aiton, knowing that a Booker extension's coming in another year, the tax apron stuff that we covered, where it's almost like the closest we've ever been to a hard cap. Beal's not the guy to lock yourself into this kind of financial commitment. You and I did not text about this because I, I wanted, I figured we'd be somewhat aligned. I just don't like the trade for Phoenix. And I know in a vacuum you can go, well, look what we gave up and look what we got back. Sure. sure. If you look at just like, if we're putting together big threes, how the teams put them together since 2008 when the Celtics kind of were the first one to go really on the map with it with the KG and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. And they were like, big three. And the way they built those three together, all those three guys complemented each other. And then we've had different variations of it over the years. Brooklyn was probably the weirdest where they put Durant, Harden, and Kyrie together and they're like, we're just going to outscore everybody. Our offense is going to be unbelievable. And we saw it for about two weeks and then they had injuries and we never saw it again. And just to I jump just in on the Nets, like, would you agree that had they all been healthy, I still think that team would have been a contender despite what I think of some of the dudes? Yeah, which yeah. would be the case with Phoenix. I just don't love how the three guys complement each other. And I think you and I both feel like Beal is overrated as an asset. But, you know, this puts an incredible burden on Durant. He's going to have to be basically, I guess, I think the lead wing defender on this team, maybe even like a, a chip and rim protector guy, one of these guys, either Durant or Booker, is going to have to be the facilitator. And we've seen this over and over again when you put these three high usage rate guys together. The usage rate can only add up to 100%, right? <laughs> it's just, by rule, <laughs> you can only get to 100. So if you have three guys who are like, I'm usually 38. Well, I'm usually 35. Well, I'm usually 36. Somebody's going to suffer. We even saw Curry who's one of the best teammates of the last 30 years when that first Warriors season got a little rocky there around Christmas. So it was like, man, I'm barely being used. And then they kind of navigated it and figured it out. I just think somebody's going to be unhappy out of these three guys. And it's probably going to be Beal, which I'm going to throw it back to you, goes back to how good is Bradley Beal? Are we sure he's that good? If he's your third guy, 
okay. But is your third guy with two other score first offensive players kind of creator, need the ball all the time guy? Now what am what am I getting with him? He's gonna stand in the corner? Who's gonna set him up? Is he gonna be happy? He scored 30 points a game, like what, three years ago? He hit the ball all the time. He's not gonna have the ball all the time now. I'm telling you that. So I don't see how he's happy with this. Plus, he's making 50 million a year. Well, I'm glad you pointed out. Like in a vacuum, when you look at the pieces going out, Chris Paul, who's guaranteed $15 million if you wave him by June 28th, and it sounds like he's going to be rerouted somewhere anyway. Then you've yeah. got $10 million on the books for Shamit next year. And the second rounders, which we still aren't sh- quite sure how it's all going to shake out in, in the pick swap. Like if you look at that for Brad, even if you don't like Bradley Beal, you're like, okay, well, give me a break. Like I'll do that because this yeah, league it's is a about fantasy town. trade. Right, right. Yeah. But for Phoenix, for Phoenix, to then lock yourselves in this way and then let's get to it. Like I'm, I'm shocked the pushback I got this week from like pointing out that Beal doesn't play nearly as much as you think he does. And then it was like, okay, well there was the COVID stuff and there were shorter seasons and you know, they were tanking and all these different things. You're like, okay, fine. Let's do it this way. Uh, for his career, he's missed 19% of his games. He hasn't turned 30 yet. Again, he turns 30 at the end of this month. The last four seasons, he's missed 33% of the games. His first five seasons, he was about 39 to 40% from three. The last five seasons, 36 and a half, 30, 35, 35, 35. So he's basically 35. But if you look at him on his 34% range from three in the last three seasons, of all the players in the league with 800 or more attempts, which he is over three seasons, Mm. his 34% ranks 100 out of 109. I went through synergy numbers this morning and I looked at his catch and shoot stuff because now we're going to be looking at somebody who just because of Booker's amaze, like I am as high on Booker as I've ever been. I still think Durant figures it out some way, even though, you know, I didn't love a lot of the stuff I saw. We know his injury concerns going forward. But when I look at Beal on the catch and shoot stuff, for the most part, when you look at the points per shot efficiency, he's an average player. The free throws have gone down. The rebounding has always gone down. And I always feel like those years where he had 30-plus a game, back-to-back years, he was top five in usage in the NBA those two seasons. And he's not going to get to do that. So, of course, he can score. Of course, there's like another level to his shot creation that you just don't get in a lot of players in the league. But if he's going to be a ball-stopping guy while Booker and Durant are watching him, <laughs> I, right. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me other than that there's a brand-new owner going like, look what I did. And you're like, okay, you know, I, I think, I'm just not a fan of it because now this is who you are for like three or four years too. Yeah. There's a Bradley Beal, I think in people's heads versus the Bradley Beal that's actually existed the last couple of years. Like when he averaged at 30 a game, he just had the ball all the time. I had a house who, you know, has been my friend for 35 years. Who's come on this pod and talked about Bill a bunch. It's just like, this is not an end of the game guy. If he's your number one guy, you're going nowhere. Um, if he's a, you know, if he's in the Ray Allen 2008 role, Ray Allen was just a way better shooter, you know? And Ray Allen was somebody who didn't need the ball a lot, could still have a huge impact on a game. We haven't really seen that version of Bill at all. And he's also not like, he's not an above average defensive player. I would say he, where would you put him? Would you put him average or below average? I'd say below average. His box score plus minus, which again, doesn't tell everything, especially in a team that hasn't been all that competitive, but he's been a negative defensive box score plus minus nine of his 11 seasons. But you know the funny thing about like anybody. Well, and then get to the and then get to the on the the passing and can he create shots for other guys? That's not really there either. So it's somebody that he's basically a score first guy 
that I wouldn't put him above average in really any other category. Yeah, I mean, in this year alone, I don't know how it shook out the other years because it was something I was always looking at with Harden and Embiid. But in turnovers per however many possessions during clutch time, Beal led the league. Like he was, he was the most turnover prone guy in clutch moments in those games. So, you know, this isn't this isn't to say that like nobody's saying he sucks. It's that I, if I'm an owner, and you don't get to pay a money to just a guys. You don't. It's not the way the league works. Like we look at these contracts, we're like, I can't believe this guy get this guy. And we're like, yeah, but it's the fear of not having anything is why you're paying a premium on the players that aren't necessarily a premium guy. But for Beal to turn thirty, to to not be a dude that laces him up all the time. I don't know if it was just him in Washington and he was the good guy and everything sucked around him. But, you know, when you're the number one guy, like I'd like you to flirt with the playoffs a little bit more, like a I little bit think, more. Play. I think that team was was a little bit better talent-wise than the record. Porzingis had a really good year for what you would expect from a Porzingis year last year. Kuzma was like a borderline all-star for most of that year. And if you look at their bench guys, like I liked Danny Abdija. I thought, he actually is a role guy. It was pretty good. Kispert, I think, shot like, what, 42, 43% from three. He's not a bust. Um, their point guards weren't great. But for the most part, they were in the mix. They were 500, you know, in January and February and looked like they were going to at least be a playing team. And they never got there. He hasn't really... Well, he missed a lot of games. And he missed a lot of games. But he hasn't really... You know, in 2017, when they almost beat the Celtics in the Kelly Olynyk game, game seven. And they should have. They were a and much better have. team than that Celtics team. And the, one of the reasons they lost was the Celtics just basically, they figured out John Wall wasn't shooting threes well. And they basically put the series in his hand and was daring him to shoot threes. Beal, I thought, played pretty well. He didn't shoot that great from three in the playoffs, but I thought for the most part, he was laying the groundwork for like, oh, this guy, there's something here. I just don't know as a third guy. Like, I, we just learned this with Denver. Denver had the, their three best guys complimenting each other so well. And Gordon was the third guy. Gordon's not as good as Bradley Beal on paper from a talent standpoint, right? If you're in a fantasy basketball draft, you're taking Bradley Beal before Aaron Gordon. But Aaron Gordon is a much more impactful basketball player on both ends than Bradley Beal is. And that was one of the reasons I thought that Denver, I mean, Jokic is the key reason. But I just, I look at all the moves that Phoenix made and we're, there's Chris Paul stuff to get to and there's Washington stuff to get to that we can do after the break. But I look at all the stuff Phoenix had. And I almost like this trade more if they hadn't done the KD trade. Like if they still had Mikhail Bridges and they still had Cam Johnson and they still had all their firsts. And then they're like, hey, man, we just stole Bradley Beal. Like, right, we barely gave up anything for him. And Booker and Beal are going to be our two high-priced guys. We have Mikhail Bridges on this awesome contract. We still have all our picks. We have Aiton. There's one more move to be had, but we just, we couldn't resist just grabbing Beal here. Um... I liked I liked the team more if it was that. With this, where it's like, hey, we have these three super expensive guys. The second Abram's going to murder them. They're going to really have to rely on the goodwill of guys just being like, all right, I'll play for 1.6 just to try to win a title. If I'm doing that, I'd rather play with Denver. I'd rather be on Jokic's team. You know? So um, t we talked about new owner syndrome a lot. This is the most new owner syndrome-y guy we've had in a long time. And one of his lead advisors is Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah Thomas is a, likes to zag. He did this with the Knicks in mid-2000s when everyone else was trying to get smaller and small ball and shooting. And, you know, the, the league was starting to shift a different way. And he was like, I'm going to get bigger. He said this. I'm going to get Zach Randolph. I'm going to get Eddie Curry. We're going to bully teams. We're going to play bigger. We're going to pound them. And he wanted a zag. And this to me feels like a zag. 
where they're in the son's, you know, brain trust thing. And they're like, how do we get better? How do we get better? It's like, we just got to outscore everybody. We'll get Bradley Beal. How are they going to stop us with these three guys? I actually think it'll be a little easier to stop them than maybe they realize. Well, they didn't have depth this past year, right? Depth was an issue before this happened. Like they always needed another point guard, I thought, to just make it easier on Chris Paul so he could be healthier later in the year. That's something I thought they should have had for years. They didn't even have another big in that Milwaukee matchup, which may have cost them a title in 21 because they just didn't have another. So this depth thing has been an issue when it wasn't like this. And now you're going to have these four guys making this kind of money. They have um, rights on two other players. Do we think Aiton's on this team in two weeks? Because I would say no. I would say this would be step A and step B is some sort of Aiton for multiple players trade. But like going, like what you just said, if we watched that Denver Phoenix series that happened a month ago and you put Bradley Beal in the Shamit spot, is that series different? Because I don't think it is. I don't, I, don't th- I don't know how Beal changes the destiny of them because they couldn't get stops. They had no depth. Like Denver was just basically, you know, I don't even think that series should have gone six. You had this historic fluke event of an 86-point game from two guys. I don't know how Beal changes the destiny of that series. I just think it's so risky, man. I think it's so risky. And Beal is not somebody I'd want to pay this much money to. He's just he's just not. Now, maybe he's energized. You know, like the wizard stuff is weird because, yeah, you can blame Wall. You can blame the front office. You can blame a bunch of different things. I mean, the coaching thing, whatever. They tried a bunch of different deals. But like if you're truly that guy, which none of us ever have thought, like we never talked about Beal as a top 10 guy. I don't even know if he's top 20. And you're like, okay, can you can you at least flirt with, you know, always being in the back end of contention for the playoff spot in the East? And so I wonder, you know, I wonder how many people would feel like, well, maybe the reason the team wasn't all that competitive is because their number one guy was Beal. So, look, he's going to score. He's going to have some huge nights. I can already see the headlines like three games into the season. He goes for like wow. 35 and it's like, it's going oh, so see. well. Wow. Like, yeah. Well, talk to me in four years when he's $57 million. So. I, I think with the new CBA apron stuff, like this felt like a deal. Like, I don't know that I would have liked it in the previous CBA, but you throw it into the new one. <laughs> yeah. You throw it into the new one and you're like, did you guys not get the email? Like, did you not get it? And I love that you brought up the Isaiah part of it because Isaiah's biggest thing with the Knicks is he couldn't stop himself from trading for bad contracts. Like he never cared. I'll never forget listening to him on Mike and the Mad Dog where Dog was like, you know, I'm not going to do the impersonation, but he's like, you keep trading for these contracts. I mean, Isaiah, like, you keep getting these yeah, new, these expensive like, yeah, guys. I, I just yeah. don't know what you're going to do with them. Steve Francis, 17 million, Isaiah. And Isaiah was like, yeah, but what you, what you don't realize is that those contracts expire and they're valuable. And like, it was the weirdest defense of it. It's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to keep taking everybody's bad contracts because one day they expire. And you were like, what? Right. Like anybody with any like, entry-level understanding of how salaries work in the league was like, wait, that's that's your position? And and so far, like, look, Durant, Durant gets hurt all the time. Durant's really expensive, you know? Durant's, but he's still Durant. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe not peak Durant, but he's still Kevin Durant. That one I understood, even though that price retroactively looks exorbitant. Uh, I I would not I wouldn't want this tax bill. I wouldn't want this tax bill. Like I would need more assurances that I feel like I'm easily top, like without question, top three in the West to do something like this. And I don't know that. And again, yeah, you're right. There's still moves to come. We did last week. We did the I wouldn't be surprised if you were another team in August draft, and we both had Beal number one. 
we went through the salary, which was 46.7 uh, this upcoming season, 50.2 in 24-25, 53.7 the next year, and then player option, 57.1, 26-27. You want to do your joke? I think we'll probably pick that year up. Okay. Um, We're going to break that now. It's uh, it's just a staggering amount of money. The one thing I would love to find out, now that he waived his no trade clause, is that waived forever? No, no. He still or has does it. does he still have it? Okay. And then I'm glad you brought up the Durant thing because he got hurt twice last year and he's had, he's had some major injuries. Major injuries. He's, he's had a Jones fracture in his foot. He tore his Achilles. He's had his knee operated on in different ways multiple times. He's seven feet tall. He's been playing basketball since 07. We've been talking about Jeff Green, your guy. Congrats, by the way. Uh, got his title. And it's been a lot of Jeff Green, the old veteran. Oh, my God. Jeff Green's been on so many teams. Wow. The old guy finally did it. Um, he was in the same draft as Kevin Durant. He's two years older, but same draft. So, you know, I just think because Durant, other than like his hair is going a little bit, but he looks the same. He always looks the same. You know, it's like when Hulk Hogan in the early 2000s still looked like Hulk Hogan, but it wasn't Hulk Hogan anymore. I, at some point, the Durant thing, he's going <laughs> to not be one of the top seven guys in the league anymore. And a lot of this is going to go on Booker. I, I, To me, is if Beal can come back and his threes can go way up again, maybe we'll feel differently about this trade. All right, we got to take a break. We got to hammer Washington. I really want to bring the, uh, not even a small hammer out. I want to bring an ice pick hammer out and really go, go at them. Okay. But I have one, when we come back, I have one question for you. Cause I, I could go on the Beal thing. Like there's just so many parts of this that are so interesting. I still think there's more meat on the Phoenix bone, but I have a specific Beal 2000 Celtics, 2008 Celtics. Cause I know we rarely bring up the 08 Celtics on the pod. So I just want to make sure we do that. Interesting. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day of work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that. Made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. All right, give me your 08 Celtics Beal analogy before we move on to the pathetic uh, Washington team. Um, were you surprised at the Celtics version of Ray Allen that first year? Yes, because um, he had battled injuries and was in a pretty bad Seattle situation that year before. And I remember when they made the trade, I've talked about this, I was upset because I didn't get it. I was like, even if he's healthy again, where does Ray and Paul Pierce take us? And then they had the KG trade coming. But I thought he really reinvented himself. You know, some guys do this. Like, even somebody as great as Kobe, there was still a reinvention with him. He added this whole 2008 to 2013 stretch of his superstar career that really made the career special. Like, it, like the way he it was able to tweak his game, add stuff, add the little fall away and... Um, just kind of changed how he played for the better in a lot of ways, um, elevated his career. I felt like Ray Allen was a junior version of that. He learned how to not have the ball at the time and still have huge impacts in games. And he ended up, you know, he goes all the way through, basically through Miami in 2014, but, you know, had seven pretty meaningful years there on really good teams. 
I don't know if Beal has that in him. I, I'm not ruling it out, by the way, are you? Like, he might, he might have it in him. I, I wouldn't cross it off. Look, there's part of me, as I've looked at this, going, what if he's totally motivated by this? And, you know, knowing he was never a number one and then going, like, I don't even think he's a two on a title contender. Well, here you go. Like, it's like a two what B. Better, yeah. What better spot to be a three with this group? And you're going to get to be the number one option in those games where Durant's gone. Uh, you're right, because there's still some TBD on the rest of this stuff with Aiton, where it may be the rare trade that usually I don't like, where you're trading the most talented player for three pieces. But they're kind of in need of that. And I don't want Booker to play point guard the whole time. I don't want Booker's drives to be taken away from him. I want him I want him driving the way I saw yeah. him drive this year that to me like puts him at a whole nother level. Like I, I'm just I'm so in on him and his mentality and everything. Like he's one of the few guys that loses in the second round for a team that seems like it's going in the wrong direction where I'm like I'm more in on him now than ever before. So I don't want anything to interfere with that. But the reason I asked the Ray Allen question was that I think it was almost always kind of surprising for us because he thought, hey, he's such a great shooter. But he wasn't really a catch and shoot guy, because he was always used to kind of working off the ball a little bit more. Right. Um. And I, and I mean it like in the way we kind of define catch and shoot now, where it's like you never like a, move and you sit there and like just a wait. Seth Curry. Yeah. Right. Right. Even though Seth can do a little bit more. Seth can do the other stuff so. too. Right. But I thought it was way harder for Ray Allen than the other two guys, and it was it was it felt like a strain. And then he's taking like eight less shots per game. And yet he's still at like 17 a game. He's still like almost 40% from three. So the numbers tell you, oh, he just took less shots. But I thought it was like a real, a real like, I don't know. I just think he deserved a lot of credit for, it couldn't have been a lot of fun all the time, but there was a greater good there, right? It was, it was the goal of the team. And the other part of that team was that the three guys, we've already brought this up too many times, is they were all collectively over the individual part of it. They were old enough in their career. They'd been through their old failures. So, yeah, I guess there's part of me that wonders, like, can Beal go in going, all right, dude, I've done a decade. I've got the money. I've got everything. I don't have any of the accolades. I've never done anything with a team. Like, I need to find a way. He is talented enough. I don't think any of us deny that. He is talented enough. I would think to find a way to fit in where it's not at the detriment of the other guys. But if he's going to do ball stopping ISO shit and not make threes <laughs> and then, you know, be less available post 30, unless that's all wizards related. It's just, I try to kind of see the other side of something, even if I, if I don't necessarily believe it, but there's going to have to be some real sacrifice from him of adapting his game around it. And I wonder I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's his, in his makeup or not. Ray Allen in 2007 on Seattle, his usage rate was 29 and a half. And he went to Boston. It was 21.6, 20.8, 20.2 the next three years. Even if you look at field goal attempts, he was 21 a game in Seattle in 07. It was 13 and a half a game in Boston in 08. That's a huge sacrifice. And you mentioned, you know, the, the Beal, like, is he ready to sacrifice at this point of his career? I mean, we just saw him take a crazy contract from Washington, a team that he was going nowhere because it was a money decision. That was it. So that always makes me dubious. I think there's real red flags with him. Just from, if you go, just go look at everyone on basketball reference. I always make this point. Basketball reference, 78, 79 year history of basketball at this point. And go look at the stats. Go look at when people peak. Like Beal had those two straight years in the 30s. When it drops to 23 and 23 the next two years, the history of basketball says that's usually a bad sign and you kind of end up where you are. Like Jermaine O'Neal was the best example of this. 
he was like a 20 and 10 guy. And then all of a sudden he was like a 13 and eight guy. And it's like, oh, and then teams started trading for him. Well, we'll get him back. And then it's like, now nah, this is kind of where he is now. We'll hear stuff because we hear this every year about the Suns are going to stagger these guys. And, you know, they'll always have be able to have two of them on the court and it's going to be great. And here's all the ways it's going to work. But I'm sorry, basketball comes down to the last eight minutes. We just watched that Nuggets-Lakers series. I thought the Lakers were the second best team in the league. Every one of those games came down to the last eight minutes and my five against your five and who are we playing? And so we can do this whole stagger thing and maybe that'll help them in the regular season. But ultimately, it's going to come down to your best five guys. Do you have, can Beal or Booker guard the other team's best, you know, creator slash who's guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander in round one? Is it Booker? Is it Beal? It's Booker is right it, now. Yeah. Is it is it free agent um one point six million dollar guy? You know, who's guarding Jason Tatum in the finals? Is it Durant? That so I, I just think this team has real holes still. I think we both agree. Yeah, cool. If you can get Bradley Beal for what you got on paper, it makes a ton of sense. But I, the contract is terrifying. It's terrifying. Cause you have no outs now. And this is, we've talked about this before with Gobert, the Gobert trade and other ones. I don't like trades where I have no outs. Like, this is it. I am fucking in now. My out now is like basically a Devin Booker trade, which I'm never doing. And if Durant doesn't work on the Suns team, he's not going to have nearly the value what you gave up. And then the, the Beal thing, maybe this was his value. Like, I thought it was interesting. Miami didn't want him. Miami could have beaten this trade, right? They could have traded a hero and two picks for him. Probably could have gotten Lowry in two picks for him. They didn't want him. Uh, I wonder if the if the hero part of it was that the Wizards go like, look, we just don't want, we don't want the rest of the hero money, which is still significant. I mean, he got the four year, hundred and twenty million dollar contract. And it was all guaranteed. Well, would you so, rather add Lowry in two firsts than what they got back? I would have. Well, two firsts, yeah. I mean, the funniest thing about doing this deal with Phoenix is you couldn't even get like this deal if Phoenix hasn't spent all their their firsts on Durant. It has two firsts in it. Like, it probably just has two firsts in it. And yeah, because they're like, come on, just give us two. We'll put some protections on them. Um, all right, the Washington piece of this. I hated this when they did it. Thank God there's records of all of our conversations. You know, we're wrong sometimes, but I think for the most part in the big stuff, our batting average is pretty good. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand why you're giving Bradley Beal $251 million when he doesn't change your destiny really in any way. You're giving him a no trade clause, which is just about the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Now you've removed all your leverage from the whole thing. And you're making your team slightly better when Wembenyama's coming in, who's the most important prospect in 20 years. So now they're picking, I think, their seventh or eighth instead of being in the top three. They waste a year with Beal. They pay him $43 million, And then they give him away for pennies on the dollar. Now they have to deal with the Chris Paul part of this. Now, it's a new regime. The new regime clearly looked at this and was like, what the, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> you either got to blow it up or you got to go all in. But you guys are in no man's land. You have been basically for a decade. This is what Joe House always talked about. Um, but I think that bill contract, it was idiotic when it happened and it looks worse now. I don't know. Is there any other way to look at it? Only to that, uh, everything you said is right, but only that, you know, back to the rule of, well, what are you going to do? Let him walk? You're going to lose the asset for nothing. I mean, that's why we have these B and sometimes even B minus players making this kind of money because you're so fearful of, well, wait a minute. Like, okay, fine. That's too expensive. And he's not that guy. And we shouldn't have to pay this and it's going to screw us up. And then we're not going to be able to move him once we sign him. 
But where was he going? Nobody had cap space last year. He was going to go play for Detroit, be in the same situation. Like, where was he going to go? You're, hey, good luck, though. You know what I mean? Like, good luck right. with that approach as a GM of like, oh, yeah, fuck it, go to market. I don't care. Well, but they just did it. They just gave it took a year, but they just gave him away anyway. They got nothing back. They didn't even yeah, first the no tra- pick for him. The no trade part of it, the Bartlestein connection with his father, you know, uh with Josh Bartlestein, who's with the Suns now, and his father, Mark, yeah. is is the agent. So like they had all the info on on how to do this. And if Beal keeps going back to them saying, Nope, 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 nope. I mean, it's not even the money. The no trade's the thing that kills him. Which was almost historically stupid. Because nobody gives no trades and you don't give them the Bradley Beal. I could see giving it to like Jason Tatum. <laughs> like, do you think the Celtics uh, would give Jalen Brown a no trade with his new extension? They're never doing that. They, I would they do hope it. Not. God help us. It's it's always funny though, like, you know, even when Kobe got that extension. Yeah. You know, granted, Kobe fans see things differently, but like most people were like, that doesn't make a ton of sense. All right. And then the Lakers argument was this shows the rest of the league that this is how we take care of our stars. And then Kevin Durant didn't even have a meeting with them in 2016. (laughs) So it didn't work. Right. But the the reason I'm bringing that up is not to, not to criticize the extension. It's that, well, okay, you did it for Kobe. Yes. (laughs) Like the wizards gave Beal the Kobe treatment and he was Bradley Beal. Right. It was a, remember we made game seven around two once with him? We gotta take care of this guy. I I like Bradley Beal. I just I to me that No no I like God, him as a player. Like, we're like forty minutes in and you're like, I no, like I'm, him. T- I'm yeah. I don't think this is, you know, giving somebody who's like a disaster, but I don't think he's one of the top thirty players in the league. The red flags for me are the basketball reference thing I mentioned where it just scares me that his stats haven't been there for two years now. The three-point shooting has gone sideways. It's been much chronicled. Then you talked about the health stuff. Those are three things that have gone the wrong way for a couple of years now. So you're keeping your fingers crossed and going, man, I, ho- I, I hope we're getting the guy from two, three years ago. Not the guy from last year who didn't make anyone better and didn't really play that well. The free throws went down too. And you know, I love free throws. Free throw attempts, he was like in the eights. Right, he was like a like really getting to the line. Now he's in the in the fours, low fives, which you know isn't nothing. Uh, I if I was a Wizards fan, and fortunately one of my best friends is one, but I would be so mad. And how said this on Thursday night? Like, why do this the year after the Wembenyama year? The year to do this was a year ago. You had the runway sitting there. So now they're going to do it, and now who knows what's going to happen in the draft next year. Can Let's talk about the Chris Paul piece of this. Our guy, this fifth time he's been traded. He has not won a title. He made the finals once. Um, he didn't win. A, he's never won a ring. That's right. Never won a ring. That's what I heard. And my estimation assumption, I, there was some great tweet about, don't be surprised if the Wizards keep Chris Paul. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually going to be surprised. <laughs> I, I will be surprised. Hey, first of all, the most recent thing that I saw right before we started taping this on a Sunday afternoon Pacific time is that it was the Wizards want Paul, but will be willing to work with. Once I saw mm. the willing to work with, I yeah. was like, okay, yeah. All right, keep going. Oh, by the way, just to jump in, this is why you and I were like, why would you report that he's going to be waived on June 7th? 
even if he were going to be waived, which is still a likely scenario if they couldn't figure out a trade. That's why you and I were like, this doesn't make any sense that anyone in place would know this now with three weeks to figure out if he's a piece of something else. So again, not waived. So it seems like they can still get out of this and we might be wrong because the information is coming in, but all they would have to do is buy him out for 15.8 and then they could stretch that over the course of five years, basically take a 3 million cap it. I personally would opt in with it and I think he has some value, right? You get somebody's expiring back. You might be able to pick up one more asset. I don't know why they would need the cap space. It's not, you know, like a team like maybe the Celtics it would have been more appealing to because they're coming up toward the apron if they had gotten him. But for Washington, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't keep him as an expiring. I never, as as you've heard me say many times, most recently with Kevin Love, I never what understand why Love? teams I never understand why teams buy these guys out. I just don't get it. I don't nobody has been able to properly explain to me. I have explained to it team. to you. And I'm gonna explain and, it to you again right I, now. And I, is that- and I every time I disagree with it. It is front offices working with agents, working with players of a certain status where you want to be known as a front office that's willing to work around the margins for you, okay? So you're right. Just asset for asset, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But if Chris Paul, if I'm the Wizards, look, you got to pay somebody, right? You got to get to 90% of the cap floor anyway. And is now you've removed all the Beal money. And, you know, (laughs) granted 30 million. So you're saying keep Chris Paul for 30 million? Yeah, I would keep him because I think he's going to have value when we get to December, January, February. I just think you can turn him into an asset. Right. I or buying him out to me is absolutely idiotic. All right. Then now I have no asset. Now it's like, well, now I have cap space. I'm Washington. Where am I going? They should be blowing it up. They should be They should be the worst team in the East next year. That would be my goal. If, I, if I'm Winger and those guys that took over, I'd be like, how are we the worst? What can we do? Let's let's do Porzingis next. Let's do a Kuzma sign and trade next. How can we bottom out? Because that's the only way they're going to fix this. Well, you, we're going to do you, later if you want to bottom pod, out. If you want to bottom out, you can't have Chris Paul winning you games in November, December, and January. Yeah, but if I I think he's going to be there for seven, eight weeks max. And maybe you tell him we've seen this in the NBA too, where they tell the guy, hey, maybe you know the Al Horford OKC move. Hey, why, why don't you just work out on your own there? buddy. Go to the gym. Pull a Rosillo. Do, yeah. do your thing. Well, Maybe get some surfing in. Chris Paul doesn't a, even want to do in. that, though. Like he, when he went to OKC, they were like, we're going to just kind of bring you along slowly. And he was like, F that. Let's let's play. Well, like, Chris, right, we have- this version of Chris Paul might be delighted to work for four months. Maybe. If it you're just be February, March, right. April, May, June, I'm, I'm happy with that if I'm Chris Paul and I've been but, in the league since 06. But back to like the part of Thirty million for him, not knowing the rest of the stuff that they're going to do, having to get to the cap floor at least. Yeah, I guess there's a version where you say, "What if he plays well in the beginning of the year?" Which is, you know, last year wasn't great, so I don't, I don't know what I could write down and expect from him the first few months of the season. But is there a version of events where all of a sudden he's valuable and you're able to pick up some kind of asset? Maybe I don't know, but dude, there's guys like Rui Hachimura can't even get you a first rounder, and now everybody's wondering if the Lakers are going to have enough money to pay him a hundred million dollars. So. <laughs> the, the league, the league can be really weird at the the low and high ends of what a player's value is. But to back to like the way business is done, point that I always try to make with you is that you know Winger has relationships with the Clippers, right? He just came from there. You know, what if they're like, hey, you know, are you going to waive him? Like, what's going to happen there? Now, granted, he's Winger's running a new team now, 
But there's so many relationships. There's so many things with agents. There's so much that goes on with the players that have a certain status level that Chris Paul still has despite the diminished production of last season that a team doing a guy a solid as opposed to wondering if they can get you know, a protected first that turns into a second in 2029. I, I'm sorry. I'm not doing him a solid. Okay. I'm just right. not. I'm just trying I want to tell an you why. Back. I'm just trying to tell you why it works that way because it's a lot of the reasons why we see stuff We're like what happened there, and you're like, this is what happened. I just don't trust agents that much, and I don't think you win that much goodwill with them. I think they're always going to do what's best for their client that makes the most money, and that's the that's fact. Like for instance, should we go on well, Rogan there's... and debate it? <laughs> uh, for instance, I'm telling you, your numbers are off. All right, go ahead. <laughs> if you're Golden State, yeah, do you feel good about the Jordan Poole contract? Not great, but you know what? I also like Jordan Poole being a major component to them in winning a title two years ago. Like that's still real. That still really okay. happened. So, but you right, you you have Draymond. You got to pay. He's going to opt out. It looks like I've got Clay Thompson for forty million. There's some Kaminga is actually going to be good this year. Buzz. Curry's contract goes up every year. Like if I could turn Jordan Poole into a year of Chris Paul and figure out I don't what think that Paul, looks like I, on my I don't think he what? fits with what they do. They don't really he doesn't really fit with what they want to do on offense. You think he'd play with Steph? I actually think I, I think that would be really interesting to watch a, a true point guard play with Steph. We've never really seen it. We I saw think it's it gone Sean well. Livingston is like the Sean Livingston? Who else? Iguodala when the Heat initiate the offense, but it's about movement. It's about movement. And I don't think high ball screen pick and roll is while Steph watches with Clay. I, you know, look, I think it's pretty established how I feel about Chris Paul. I just don't think his approach is exactly what the word, it's not even close. So I'll just say it that way. Like they're about okay. movement. I'm they're just about trying passing to figure and out cutting and moving. Cause there, it has to be a one for one trade if they spin them right now. Otherwise, they can wait two months. Then you can package them in different deals. Or the other way you do it is if you find another home from now, you could expand this into the three team, the four team. But that always looks great on paper and then it never seems to actually happen. But I just feel like he's going to be on a different team either immediately or by November or whatever. Buying him out makes no sense to me. I can turn him into something. Like maybe I can get Kyle Lowry and, and uh, Jovic. From Miami. Like, cool, I'll take Jovic. Was I wasn't going anywhere. I was cutting this check anyway. Uh, if you're running Washington, would you get rid of everybody? Well, I can't get rid of everybody. You know, whenever anybody wants to rip it down to the studs, they ignore like factors of, well, to my original part of it, it's like you got to pay somebody. So I, I waited out. I still have what? Nine days to make a decision here. I've got nine days to figure it out. If I can flip top them one ten for pick, one. They have poor Zingas, who I think... Has can either opt in. I don't he can know opt why in he would like, opt out. Well, he might opt out to do less money annually to get. If I'm Perzingis with his injury history coming off a really nice year, oh, well, this is the part where his agent already knows. Hey, if you opt out, we already know where you can go make a hundred million somewhere else, right? right. We, we know that game. So if he doesn't opt out, that would tell you the market's actually pretty bad for him. But the free agents aren't that great this year, or he's overpriced. But if he does opt out. Maybe it's a, a really simple, okay, I'm not going to make 35 annually, but I can I can you do know, something for less money. That's an awesome point about Porzingis. 
if I'm him, I'm getting one more contract in. Yeah, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, four years, hundred million. I've, I've, I have no idea if my my knees are going to be there two years from now. Give me a long contract. Um, all right, is Chris Paul's uh, big brother as somebody who has been rooting, rooting for him to find the right team, to climb the mountain, to win a title. Where do you want him to go? Do you want it to just be where he gets? Like, I'll just tell you now. Like, I don't see the Lakers thing. I don't see how that's the best fit for him. I want him somewhere where he can actually have the ball and pick his spots and do the 23 to 25 minutes a game, but then have a couple big moments in the playoffs. But to me, in my head, it was like a Milwaukee made a bunch of sense because they can protect him on defense. I'd like him to go somewhere where there's already a guard in place that can take the burden off of him instead of like running every possession throughout the entire regular season and then not being able to go. Like I've wanted him to play with Tyus Jones forever. Okay. Mm. So Memphis, but Jaw's only going to miss the 25 games. And if you look at Memphis's record without Jaw, they're actually pretty competitive. The rest of the guys are healthy. So I think, you know, again, the Memphis topic is its own topic. I think I'd like to see what it feels like rooting for Heat culture. The Heat for him. Why not? Can we can we just talk out the Celtics for 45 seconds? I'd love to see him on the Celtics, but I figured everybody would just think I was being a homer, even though I don't really care. I think the Celtics are definitely moving a guard. Maybe well, even should. this week. And I think they know they need to move a guard. And Brogdon and Chris Paul in a trade makes sense to me. And I don't know that maybe they would have to wait two months to officially throw the second contract in there to complete it, but we've seen that happen before where they agree now and then by the time we get to September 1st when the 60 days is up where he can be traded again to do it. But having, if you just flip him and Brogdon and then there's when we when we make up trades later, I have a Marcus Smart trade that I'm pretty excited about. You're not going to believe this, but Yet again, on this podcast, I've traded Marcus Smart. Um, I think Chris chasing a ring, being the old guy who's been there in a bunch of different battles in a bunch of different ways, being a fucking adult, I think could really help this team. And uh, not that they didn't have that in a lot of ways before, but I, there's something different about it. I think him and Horford together is really interesting to me as these two veterans. Plus, they've, they've augmented the uh, coaching staff finally. We're not going to have the dudes from Store 24 as our assistants. Um, but the Chris thing's interesting. And then it gets them off the Brogdon deal, which a year from now, the the Brown-Tatum combo is going to be a nightmare. And they just, the fundamentally, they cannot pay Brown and Tatum $100 million a year and then three guards, $50 million, And, you know, it's just going to give them more leeway. So that that's the case. I think Chris Paul, the Celtics, makes sense in a in a vacuum would you trade Brogdon for Chris Paul right now? Forget the contract. Forget the second year of the Brogdon money. Player for player, so the way I, you see those two. I discussed it with my dad today, who loved Brogdon the regular season. But Brogdon got, you know, hurt again. Now, it was a bad luck injury this time, but he's just hurt a lot. And that was why they were able to get him for the price they got him. He's has trouble being on the floor. And I think for them... Uh, the injury, you know, it was an unlucky injury. It wasn't like a structure of the body type of, oh my God, here we go again injury. But it it is a recurring theme with him. And uh, 
And I would think about it because more because of the long-term part of the deal and having the Brogdon years later, if he got injured one more time, now what do I do? And stuff like that. So I would. I think that Chris Paul chasing a ring thing, being on one of these teams would be, you know, a really cool thing. By the way, another one is Denver, if he got bought out. I think putting him on Denver, just watching him use Jokic would be absolutely, absolutely fascinating. I would love that. So Miami, I mean, there's good teams that can need him. I don't think you can rule out the Knicks either because of his relationship with Leon and Wes. And especially if he went in there knowing, you know, I'm not the guy anymore, but I'm here to help. I'm a rotation guy. Not quite Sam Cassell in 2008 because he was pretty washed at that point, but maybe more in that Sam Cassell 2006 Clippers. Maybe not as many minutes, but that kind of impact where it's like, whoa, we have a fucking adult here. This is great. Is this how this works? Teach me stuff. So I don't think he'll be on Washington is, is a long way of making the point. I have one point though. Go. We just got to get Chris Paul out of this Bermuda Triangle of point guards where it's the Clippers, Houston, and Washington. John Wall, Washington, Houston, Clippers. Russell Westbrook, Houston, Washington, Clippers. Chris Paul, Clippers, Houston, Washington. Is there anybody else who was in that Bermuda Triangle? I feel like Ish Smith is available, but I, don't know. <laughs> I feel like Ish Smith has been on all those teams. He hasn't been on the Clippers. Can we get right? Monty yeah. Morris to the Clippers and the Rockets? That's pretty good. I like that Bermuda Triangle. All right, we're going to take a break. Let's make up uh, some trades after this. All right, so we have the draft coming up on Thursday, and there's some good balls that are in the air right now. Dame Lillard, who knows? Who does Charlotte take at number two? I'll tell you this. Scoot Henderson was plus 160 four days ago. And now he's minus 140 on FanDuel. So that is flipped. Um, and they came back in. I always think one of my favorite things of looking at the pre-draft stuff, especially this week, is you can find some stuff with the way teams will invite certain people back. And then you'll look at who they took and you go, oh, look, look who the, look like the last group they brought in to work out was. So... um, I just always, if you're really into the draft, pay attention to the next couple of days and like who the last visit is. Zion seems to be available to be kind. Charlotte's number two pick seems to be potentially available. Indiana's number seven pick is reportedly available. Dallas's number 10 pick is available. Orlando has six and 11. There is a lot of flux from four to 10 where people like different guys and like the ceiling of different guys. And, you know, we say this every year, oh, you could expect a lot of deals this week. But I actually think this could be one of those weeks where we do get a bunch of deals. What team are you looking at? Who, who, do I, who are you putting your microscope on? Well, I obviously had some Celtics ones lined up for you. Oh, I'm ready for those. But what, so just heading into this week as the Celtics is the number one team, you're like, oh, I wonder no, what no, those no. guys are going to. So who's thought, your number one? What is that team going to do, team? Charlotte. Yeah, I think yeah. it is Charlotte because it's the Scoot Brandon Miller thing. They still have the Bridges decision to make. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it isn't. I mean, because we still we still have to figure out the Philly part of this. Like Charlotte doesn't matter enough, so I actually shouldn't pick Charlotte. You know, because no, I I disagree. I think Charlotte's the pick because there's major players. 
that would make sense, especially with new owners coming. We just saw this happen with Phoenix and new owners like to get frisky. And uh, I don't know. I, I have Charlotte. I think Portland, because Portland, as we've talked about for weeks now, could go either way. They could just do the full rebuild or they could try to build around Dame. The Zion thing is a real, real, real subplot. I had somebody tell me yesterday that I trust that he will not be on that team on Thursday. I was like, really? I haven't heard that. And they're like, you watch. So there you go on that. And then Houston. Um, they, w- one of the things that's really interesting about this week and just this summer in general is you have a couple teams that fundamentally cannot go backwards anymore, right? Houston owes OKC all these picks coming up. They owe their 2024 first top four protected and their 2026 first and then a 2025 swap, which is top 10 protected. But it doesn't just, it it doesn't make sense for Houston to stink in 24. Brooklyn owes their 24 and 26 first to Houston and 25 and 27 swaps. So they don't, they don't want to go backwards, right? Houston's getting their pick. Um, and by the way, on have, Brooklyn, I always feel like it's weird when people are like, well, maybe they can get Bridges. You're like, why do they want to trade Mikhail Bridges? He's good. He's even he's like at another level that I didn't even think he would be on a bad team. Um, and he's affordable. So what like why? Like we just if you're Brooklyn, you're like, we just got a pretty good guy. Like, why why do we want to get rid of this dude? Not only did we get an awesome guy who got better when he had the ball more, but he's got one of the best contracts in the league. I had him in the top twenty five for trade value. He's making twenty five million a year. And he's a real asset. So I would keep him. This is my first trade for you. And then you could throw him back at me. I, to me, Brooklyn's the Dame team. And I've heard, you know, I know people are like, no, if Dame, if he, if he gets traded, it'll be to Miami, heat culture, all that stuff. I just think Brooklyn has make, way more to give. Can't make fun um, of heat culture anymore, dude. I know I can't. Um, I just don't think the heat can top this trade. You put Simmons in there because you have to. And somebody, especially if we're a rebuilding team, I don't mind biting on him. You have all four Phoenix first, 23, 25, 27, 29. And you have the Dallas 29 unprotected first. And Cam Thomas. And I'm putting all that stuff on the table for Dame. And I don't think anyone can beat that trade. Well, it's the picks. It's not about Cam Thomas at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just right. throwing people back. But um, hey, I just Simmons, don't think anyone can beat that trade. Is Simmons even salvageable, though? Like, I think he's such a bad time now. I don't even know that I'd want him around. And the most recent thing, do you see that thing where they posted him working out and he looks jacked? They altered, they photoshopped it. A guy proved, like, look at how he's in this picture. And then he just added Thor shoulders. And you're like, wait. That sounds like an LA high school girl. Yeah, right. Like, that's. People can do that at parties where they can change what they look in the photo. Well, that's why I threw in that Dallas pick because I felt like. You have to throw in a pick to get somebody to take Simmons because he's under contract next season, the year after. So it's two left. Yeah. But I still feel like somebody's going to be like, yeah, fuck it. We'll take a swing at him. He made the all NBA team. You know, he's mm. 25. Like, um, but if they put all that stuff for Dame, I don't know how Miami tops it. It's like, here's Tyler Hero and Jovich, and you can have three of our first, but I'm getting first from a team that's always good. Um, I think that's going to be the best trade. And that's a fair comparison trade to what uh, Cleveland gave up for Donovan Mitchell. T- I think that's the price that was basically set last year and with the KD trade, where it's going to be four to five picks, maybe one other piece and something else. 
Well, I like Sexton way more than I like. I mean, Simmons is somebody I don't even know that I could get in business with at this point. Okay. Even if, right. Uh, but it might, Let you me know. See if, who if, I could, if, well, I'm going to see who I could take out. I can, I could try to, on the fly, try to take out Simmons and put in, who else do they have that makes money? I guess I could, I could give you a little Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris combo. Would you rather have that? I'll give you the choice. You guys, you talk about it with your team. I personally wouldn't want Ben Simmons showing up saying, hey, I'm actually not ready, but I'm going to dress up and then I'm going to tweet trollish shit at other people while I never play in games. And then I'm going to alter pictures of me to have big shoulders, even though I don't play basketball anymore. <laughs> All right. So Dinwiddie. And then I'm going to go on the JJ Reddick podcast and talk about how awesome I am for an hour and then not play again. <laughs> All right. So Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, all four Phoenix first, 23, 25, 27, 29, and the Dallas 29 first for Dame. I'm putting that on the table. So really what it comes down to is the Phoenix picks versus the Miami picks. Well, considering one team was just in the NBA finals, like I think the easiest thing to be to say like, oh, I'd rather have the Phoenix picks, but Miami I mean, can't though- trade four picks though is part of the problem with that. And with that Portland one, you get you get the pick this year to start. And I don't think Miami can even get to with that rule about you can only trade like right. seven years down the road so they can only put three in it. All right, we spent too much time on this. You go. What do you got? What's your first trade? Let's hear it. Pritchard and filler for James Wiseman. <laughs> what is it really? That was my first one. What are you talking that about? That doesn't fit contractually, but Pritchard makes like what two million bucks. Yeah, I know. That's why I said filler. Oh, filler. So like Gallo? Yeah, there you go. He picked you up that Wiseman option. on the Celtics. I'm asking you if you do, because I know deep down that you're not going to give up on Pritchard. It's not your oh, style. this is a Pritchard test. Well, if they're going to trade Brogdon or Smart, I think you have to keep Pritchard just because of his price. When you were talking about Brogdon and that deal for Chris Paul and the money part of it, yeah, mapping it all out. Like the Celtics, the thing that sucks about it for them this year, this past season was like you had all of these contracts kind of line up perfectly and you had all this, what we thought was incredible depth. But if they're going to move a guard, I think they need to get another big. Like that should be the number one priority than switching out a guard for a guard because Horford holding up like he just did this long into the playoffs is still pretty remarkable. And I think it's like kind of been overlooked almost as if it was assumed like, oh yeah, Horford was pretty good. Like, do you, like a couple of years ago, it looked like he was done. And then he comes back and he's this big of a deal. And then Rob Williams always being hurt all the time. If they're going to do a guard move out, I think it has to be for a big. And Well, they might lose it, Grant too. Grant's already getting floated around for different teams. And that would be another technically a big that they would be losing. So that's a no. All right, okay. what do you got? Right, that's all right. That was a real one. I asked you a real okay. one. So what do, you, what do you have for me? I don't want Wiseman. Okay. I'd like to see him do it a little bit more. I have a mega trade. Okay, hold on. Actually, it's not a mega trade. It's just there's a, there, this is, I was really proud of this one. It's Portland and Washington. Washington gets the number three pick and Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic. And Portland gets Washington's pick, which I think is eight. Is it seven or eight? Eight. Pacers are eight. seven. Portland gets eight. And poor Zingas, who opts in, and Corey Kispert. So Washington moves up to three, and they get who's ever left with Scoot and Brandon Miller. They get Simons, and they get Nurkic. Portland moves back four spots. They add poor Zingas. They add Kispert as a shooter. And then 
they basically don't have to take Brandon Miller if they don't like him at three and they can take somebody else they like. What do you think? So they get Persingas. Is he opting in? Yeah, he has to opt in as part of it. Kispert. Kispert getting a lot of mentions today. His stats uh, are good. I actually, the eye test wise too, I was like, this guy, eh, something's here for a wing guy who could shoot threes. If I'm Washington, I'm saying in a minute, I, like, I, excuse me, I'm saying yes in a second. Because yep. I don't really, even though Porzingis had a nice season, there's no version of events where he's part of the future. None. Um, I, I like Kispert a little bit, but I don't want to move down from, like the reason this is such a yes for the Wizards is because I'm getting potentially Scoot here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, but I, I'm. I made this assuming Scoot's going to go too. One of the things is Nurkic Miller, is con- then. Miller. Then be like, I, I'm thrilled to walk away from this draft with Brandon Miller, knowing that I'm moving eight and probably two pieces that aren't a big part of my future. Unless you think Kispert has like this whole other level that he's going to get to. I don't. One thing I liked about this for Portland is you get to dump Nurkic's deal which I think is a top top 10 or 12 worst contract right now. Nurkic has 16.8 next year, 18.1, and then 19.3 and 25-26. It's just brutal. I mean, he's, to me, a bottom five starting center, and you're just getting crushed by that contract for three years. So but you're they're not flipping him into Porzingis. Right. right, but for them, like, they're not. Washington wouldn't care. Right, they're, they're yeah. going to pay somebody anywhere. I just think that the number three pick is worth it to take on and you're actually getting a talented piece back in Simons where, you know, he's not perfect, but he's only on that, like, lower extension for the newer guys. So I'd be okay with it. All right. My, uh, just for the record, I would I would do that trade if I was Washington. I would say no if I was Portland. Yeah, we agree. Yeah. Okay. Would you do Jalen Brown for Zion and Herb Jones? I get Herb Jones, too? Well, Zion for Jalen Brown's a no, right? Straight up, if you're Boston. Oh, look at you. Look at him. You and I, I think you and I are on the higher end of Zion believers. (laughs) (laughs) I just, there was two different points of his career where he was doing stuff I'd never seen before from somebody with his body and his size and his profile. And both of us were like, I think you and I were about as focused on it as any non-Pelicans fans for like, do you guys realize what's happening right now? <laughs> it was like, this guy is completely unguardable. I just worry that he got the contract already and he doesn't seem to have any sort of maturity at all. Like at all. And if he was playing for something, I would feel better about it. But the fact that he already has the money makes me really nervous. Because we've seen this a few times. I would probably say no, but man, I would I would have a three hour meeting with my staff. Only because I was I've made five conference finals in seven years. And I don't know, would you do it? No, I probably wouldn't. Um and by the way, just for everybody that's gonna like, because I can already see the oh, they proposed a trade that didn't even go through, like if you'll allow us the flexibility of knowing that other contract filler would be thrown into some of these things, even if like the parameters of the deal, like, look, if, yeah. if Boston and New Orleans wanted to figure out a Zion Jalen Brown deal, they probably could figure one out. 
Um, yeah, that, but, after July 1st, it gets a lot easier too. Well, not on the bigger number stuff. Like the new CBA, it actually is tougher to match up the salaries in the new one. Um, but they could do, it could be Zion and Herb Jones for Jalen Brown and Gallinari, and you could get basically exactly the same numbers. Well, you probably have to, you probably have to add more on the, on the New Orleans side. So maybe, yeah. you know, anyway, look, so if you allow us the creativity of giving you the, the main points without having to, I don't know, whatever. So, uh, I'm going to, when, okay, but here's the thing, like Jalen Brown going to the Pelicans solves their Zion problem immediately. And if you're Boston, whatever you think of them now, and even kind of on the Phoenix thing, one of my number one things that I'll do is I'll look at what you're doing and go, okay, does this at least give you a chance? Does this give you a chance to compete for a championship? And that's not a long list of the teams. And as disappointing as Boston's losses to Miami, they go into next year still having a legitimate chance to win an NBA championship. And messing with that and breaking that up, despite the flaws, like every other team, I wouldn't be in a hurry to mess with that. So if I'm Boston, I'd still say no, despite it, you would have like some real moments being like, what? Well, imagine if we get Zion and he figures it out. But again, that's a huge, that's a huge, like he's played 114 games in four years. Played 29 games And he's had year. a couple of major injuries and just does not seem like he can stay in shape. Yeah, I did. I did a thing on my pod like six weeks ago about the almost club. Like what, how long is a window for a team before you just kind of have to go, we got to try something different. Like we, we can't get over the hump. And it does feel like the Celtics are either there this season or they're one season away. Like if it doesn't happen for them next season, at some point you just got to go, look, man, this has been 80% of a decade. We got to like do something. We can't just be like, ah, let's run it back. Um, I'm mailing you this trade because it's complicated. Just so you look at it. I just texted it to you. Right, it's a Zion you. trade. It involves New Orleans and Charlotte and Houston. Okay. And here's I'm, the trade. Thank you for sending these to me because now I can look yeah. at as you're saying it. Appreciate it. Houston gets Zion Williamson and the number 27 pick. Charlotte gets the number four pick, Jalen Green and Kira Lewis. So they move back two spots and they get Jalen Green. New Orleans gets the number two pick and Terry Rozier and first round picks from Brooklyn in 24 and 26. So basically they flip Zion into number two, Terry Rozier, and two Brooklyn firsts. Charlotte moves back two spots, picks up Jalen Green. Houston rolls the dice with Zion. They sign James Harden and they go to war next year with James Harden and then Zion, which I think would be unbelievable for the restaurants in the Houston area. Um, but would also all, be really all the service industries. You know, all the service industries, huge win. The waiters, uh, other people. Uh, Zion and, <laughs> and Harden together would be kind of unbelievable. I don't know what version of Harden we're getting, but I also wonder if they're getting Harden at all, which makes me wonder, do you just say fuck it and take a swing? I don't know if this is true or not, but there is, they said there's an in-game, you know how like, during the breaks in a game and they play the videos and they ask like NBA players trivia questions or like, you know, who's, who's the best at, on the team at this and who's the worst. I think there's one of Zion. I've been told this, but I haven't seen it. So I don't know, but the in-game thing, it's like, what's your favorite, what are your favorite road trips? And he says, Houston and Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> so, so he'd, he'd be fit, happy. Right. So he'd be happy. Uh, <sighs> 
The part of the Zion thing is that he's actually, despite how frustrating it's been, he's their star in a market that has a really hard time keeping them or enticing anyone to go there. So you take so, Scoot, who is, by all counts, a fucking grown up right away, who's going to work his ass off, who's rave going reviews. to, yeah, who is going to will himself to be an awesome NBA player, and you basically change your culture overnight with a guy who's like, I'm going to fucking kill myself to be your superstar versus the guy they have now. So again, so Charlotte, can we just go one at a time? If you're Charlotte, yeah. would you move back two spots and you get Jalen Green out of it? Probably. Well, no, so I, I take Scoot. I take Scoot because I, but the whole thing is, you know what? To say in a vacuum, I'm only moving two spots back. And to do that, I add Jalen Green. But moving two spots back now moves, despite the fact that draft history is going to tell us that there's going to be somebody that goes after five that maybe is better than one of the guys that goes in the top three. Probably not the guy that's number one. But I'm, I like Scoot, okay? We're both Scoot guys. We've been saying it for a few weeks now, at least. I don't, I don't know that I'd want to give up the chance of having Scoot for Jalen Green, who, despite his talent, I think is a high points guy on a team that just let him take a million shots, that he and Kevin Porter just get to shoot the whole time. I agree with you. I would rather have Scoot, but I could also talk myself into this trade because I feel like I could get somebody awesome at number four. And I I'm just, I'm getting two swings at the talent apple with Jalen Green and number four versus one. Houston, I would just do it. Like, Fine. Well, we, I'm giving up Jalen Green and two Brooklyn firsts and number 27. Sign me up. And then New Orleans gets the culture changer and scoot. This is a fun one. Um, let's take a break and then I have a couple more to throw you. So we definitely said no then. We said no. Who is the We said leading? no, but it's fun. Who's leading the charge in the no there? New Orleans? No, I think New Orleans does that. I think New Orleans think is they do? most psyched. Yeah. They get number two and Terry Rozier and two firsts. I, I'm doing that. I'm taking Scoot. I'm delighted. That was a really good one because you're looking at Houston saying, all right, you missed out. I think Houston would say yes to that in two seconds. I think they would too. Right. All right, let's take a break. All right, more trades. What do you got? We'll just change it up. Change up the vibe. Would you do Clay Thompson for Siakam? I, I have to get something else if I'm Toronto. Like, you got to give me Kaminga in that trade. And I might have to have Moody, too. And number 19, I'd also like that. Well, then, if you're, if you're, if you're raising, I, I get what you're saying. Because, like, you'd always be fascinated to see what Clay is like by himself. He still probably make a lot of shots, all right? And, Offensively, despite the most recent stuff being pretty disappointing playoff run, he had two months there where he was incredible. All right. Like yeah. incredible this year. So I hope you're not saying that as if you're dismissive of who Clay is, even though the most recent playoff I just thing was super 43 million for one year and he might leave at the end of the contract. And I've just lost Siakam and I'm not going anywhere with Clay. I'm not winning the title. So does, let me ask you this Does Clay fit your Porzingis? Thing that you brought up, like if you're Clay, do you want a four-year deal? Do you want to opt out of the 43 and get more money, like and do a four for 120? So I, I locked down an extra 80 million because I have no idea what's going on. I've had a 
torn ACL and I've had a torn Achilles. Like, I don't know what my legs are going to be like in two years. Like, do I grab more money now? Yeah, less annually. Yeah, he falls into that. I don't know if that's yeah, what he's going to do. Yeah, I think he does do. too. Yeah. I mean, especially so if, if Toronto, they were... I, he would have to do that if I'm Toronto. I'm like, I, I need to then, I need a uh, new contract. Let's figure it out. 115 for four years. So I'll make the number lower, et cetera. He has a he has a pretty hefty trade picker too. Um, it, but from a basketball standpoint, Clay away from Curry, I think is a slightly different guy. All right. I, I don't think that's breaking news. And Siakam, younger, less injury prone, but you know, mid post with Steph Curry, that might not make any sense to them too. Like I feel like Golden State just has to go, let's see if everybody's on the same page. You know, I don't know if Draymond takes a little less on the annual. I don't know if Clay takes a little less on the annual. I don't know if that means they have to move out pool. Maybe it's coming or something like that. But it gets back to kind of the chance thing. Like, would you agree that there's a version of events where Golden State's at least a contender next year? Or is that over to you? Do you think it's impossible? Not over, but I think they have to. I don't think they can have pool Draymond and and uh, Clay back. Okay. I think they got to pick two of those. I also feel like Siakam in the playoffs is different too. I think because he comes a little bit more predictable. Like he's yeah. a slightly easier guy to defend. It's just something I've noticed. I'm not sure if the numbers are backing up there or not. So he's not perfect either. I was just trying to pick two guys that feel like they're... I like that one though. Okay. I mean, I'm sure we could come up with some other fun clay one-for-oneers. Would you get into a, a Tobias Harris clay thing? I am bullish on Tobias in a contract year. <laughs> I'm in a different situation. He's been in a lot of big games. I went to those Clipper games when he was really good. Like I'm just I'm not crossing him off as an asset yet. And I don't know, man. If if you're on that Philly team and it's just Embiid and Harden for four straight quarters playing the two man game and everyone else has to stand around, like who looks awesome in that? Well, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's all on everybody else because I think I've noticed with Tobias Harris, there's other times too with other situations where totally I felt like fair. I forgot he was out there. So I don't think it's just a Philly I mean, thing. he's the originator of the joke of the <laughs> I forgot he was out there joke. But if you were giving me, if I'm flipping Clay into Tobias Harris, but I'm getting another asset, like I'm not, I'll at least have the conversation with my staff. I have a Siakam trade for you that I was super excited about. Okay. Charlotte gets Pascal Siakam and Toronto gets the number two pick and Gordon Hayward. And that's the trade. I think that's an awesome trade. Thanks. Um, and Toronto, if I'm Toronto probably, I just yeah, I think, reboot with Scoot. Yeah. Like, great. Scoot, Scotty Barnes. I have like a real culture, hopefully. Hayward is an expiring, I think we both like. And if I'm Charlotte, I don't know what to do with this Lamelo scoot thing. Um, man, who was I talking to about this? About uh, I was talking to somebody about why Hal Burton and De'Aaron Fox. Like, why didn't that work? And and it should have worked, but I think everyone would agree it just wasn't great for whatever reason having the two of them on the same team. And then they went to separate teams, and everybody was happy. 
And the question is, does that happen with Scoot and LaMelo? It's like, oh, this will work on paper. They complement each other. LaMelo can guard bigger guys on defense. They can share the ball, but it's like nobody's ever really going to be happy until one person's the guy. I don't think Scoot's going to give a shit. I think he's just going to want to win. I actually like those two together. So I would, we're, I think we're aligned. I would keep Scoot. But if you're going to trade Scoot for forward because you're worried about it, I think Siakam or Jalen Brown is about as good as you're going to get. Yeah, and if you're Toronto and you know you're losing Van Vliet in free agency where he's going to opt out, uh, but it sounded odd, like, as if they wanted to kind of come close to running it back. And I know there was something about, like, oh, you know, they didn't want to trade this guy, they didn't want to trade that guy. You know, OG and Anobi, it sounded like, wait, there's a third first-rounder going in it for OG and Anobi? Like, we all like him, but Jesus. And then guess what? It didn't mm-hmm. happen because it still felt kind of ridiculous depending on what the protections would be on three first-rounders for OG and Anobi. But if you know Van Vliet's out then I would go like, all right, cool. Like, we're good. We had a really good run. Because I I was, it kind of brings us back to the Siakam thing. Like, you'll look at some of his numbers and go, holy shit. Like, look what this guy is doing I mean, he's sometimes. definitely one of the best 8-4, eight, 8-9 eight, forwards in the league, right? Yeah, but you know, I guess Every always- year he's around all NBA, but you never feel great about putting him in the top three teams, but he's kind of always honorable mention. Yeah, because when I like, watch, I don't go like, oh, that's one of the 15 best players in the in the game. Which is you know, one of the best 35. Position. So same trade. What if it was Jalen Brown for Gordon Hayward in the number two? Uh as much as I like Scoot, I, I just don't think I'd mess with what I've already said twice now. Boston yeah, goes into a chance for the title next year. So it's a little probably. riskier for Boston. Toronto, not as risky. All right, I'm gonna go back to back on you because we were talking about Boston. This is my favorite trade of all the trades that I messed around with. I, by the way, I had a couple good Bradley Beal ones that just got vaporized because they actually traded them before we were able to do the podcast. Yeah, I had, I had two, but whatever. I think this trade is really logical. I think it's exceedingly fair. And I don't know which team would turn it down. The teams are the Boston Celtics and the Dallas Mavericks. Tim Hardaway and the number 10 pick for Marcus Smart. And that's the trade. Yeah, I'd do that if I'm Boston. Would you do it if you're Dallas? Mm. Not really, because now Smart's the third ball handler off of Kyrie and Luka, and he's going to be watching a ton. You know, maybe you assign him defensively, but I just think Smart's better defensively against bigger guys than he's some lockdown dude against the other quicker scoring guards. So I'd say yes if I were Boston, just to get a pick, to have a guy on a rookie scale. I mean, you got to hope you're right. Hope he's good enough to be in a rotation for a playoff team with big aspirations, which isn't all that likely. But, you know, you add some shooting. I think Hardaway's actually good, you know? So that was one of the reasons I let Hardaway's 18 million this year and 16.1 next year. But it solves the guard problem for the Celtics, right? Because now you're moving out one of the guards and you're replacing with a swing. And I felt like one of the things the Celtics struggled with last year was not having that guy to bring put in for Jalen Brown or Tatum if one of those guys got in foul trouble or wasn't playing a game, whatever. Uh, his three-point shooting has always been pretty good. And from a Dallas standpoint, I just think smart as a change of scenery, I can't believe they traded. I, I wouldn't underestimate that if I was a team looking at Marcus Smart trades. Him getting traded, he's been in just a shitload of playoff games. Um, I just think he'd be really motivated. 
And I'm not, it sounds like I'm selling this to try to convince him to trade for Marcus Smart. I just think he's one of those guys that if he got traded, he would take it really personally. And at least for the next year, would have his best season. And we've, you know, I think with him and with Kai, if you're going to bring back Kyrie and you have Kyrie and Luca, you can't really have another scorer. You know, you need like a glue guy. I don't care if I have the ball that much. And, um, you know, and you got to win now with the team you have. So, you know, we keep hearing with Dallas, like they're going to turn number 10 into a winning player, a wing. Well, who is it? Like go through the league. Like there's not that many of those guys. There's not that many guys that have the right contracts to fit back. It's got to be somebody in that 15 to 19 million range that you can flip away for. Nobody's taking Bertans back to get the number 10 pick. I don't see it. So, you know, that would be the other one. If it was, if Dallas came back and said, look, we're not doing Hardaway, but we'll do Bertans. So Bertans and number 10 for smart. We'll do that right now. What does Boston say to that? Bertans has, let's see, he is at 17 million next year. Ugh. And then he's got an early termination option for 25. Um, if he plays in a... Uh, 75% of the regular season games, shit kicks in. So you could get out of it. It could be a one-year deal. Would you do it if it was Bertans and 10 for smart? I'd hate to mess with what the Boston part of it is, but I really didn't enjoy smart as much I, as I did last year, this year. I just didn't. I think White could take a lot of the stuff he did and probably do a better version of it. They, they got to fix the White smart Brogdon thing. I don't think they can bring that back again. I think White, if you're talking assets, he's the number three asset on the team and considering his contract and what Jalen's about to be get paid, you know, he's not that far away from being the number two asset. Because the number 10 part of it's sexy, it's new, it's exciting, it'd be a high pick for him here. But realistically, like if it's Grady Dick, although that'd probably be popular in Boston, um, <laughs> what's he doing? Like, what's he realistically doing for a team that, kind of knows who their seven or eight playoff guys are as soon as he gets there. You know, and Grady's more than just a spot-up three-point shooter. I mean, he lights it up. He can dribble. He can drive a little bit. He's actually pretty athletic. Hustles his ass off. But, like, that's the kind of player that we're talking about. I mean... Well, Grady unless, was also a huge high school guy and fits the DNA of that the smart teams sometimes love Celtics Warriors. We've talked about this many times. He was, like, a high, 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 high five-star and has only been in college for a year. I actually was looking at somebody else, but I think I might like this guy more than most. Yeah, I already have a favorite guy. I forgot to tell you. I have a favorite. Oh, you, have a, you have a favorite I have guy? My, I have my Sohan for this year. I found him. No. I don't think there's any Sohan. Any guesses? Uh, oh, no. There's a guy. This guy checks a lot of boxes for me. And I haven't done all my homework yet, but I did my preliminary thing, and there was one guy that I was just immediately head over heels in love with. Wait, so if you're talking about this year's Sohan, it's crazy because I think I was just talking to somebody, a uh, team, where they were like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of Sohan. And I, whoever, I don't, I forget who I was just recently talking to about Sohan. And I stopped him and said, there's no Sohans. There's no other Sohan. There might okay? be a new so. There might I'm, be a Sohan 2.0. Because Sohan is against everything that, like, I normally would want in a basketball player. Be like, well, does he yeah. shoot it well? No. Does he do, what does he do here? Be like, just let him sub into the game and impact the game. Just let him go in and impact the basketball game and get out of the way. And normally, if you're telling me that's the kind of you're going to take in a lottery, I'd say like, well, that's that's kind of ridiculous. But with Sohan, we both love him so much. Um, 
I'm trying to guess. I'm trying to think who it is in the first round. All right, here's the answer. Okay, go ahead. Well, I'll give you the countries from France. Makula Bali? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's... <laughs> that's my uh, guy. That's that's my YouTube crush. <laughs> he, he's got these freaky giant arms, and I don't know. That guy jumped out of the, jumped off my iPad. Do you know so, his I'm, wingspan? His wingspan measured at seven three, and he's six yeah, seven. Yeah, I'm aware. Seven foot three. He's six foot seven. Um, he's only eighteen, and uh, nineteen. I don't know. Month. He's he's been playing and uh, he's been playing in some playoff games over there. I don't know. He jumped off the screen to me. I'm going to do some more deep diving on him this week. The ten might be a little early, but I think he's going to be in the top fifteen. KOC has him fifteen in the guide. Everybody really likes him, by the way. Um. It, it seems like he's one of these kind of late risers. And then I'd heard a team say, because I'd sent this tweet out about, we've already discussed it, about how I was thought it was really cool. I thought it was a great sign about Wimbanyama wanting to play in the playoffs throughout this entire time. And then, you know, it got turned into like a labor thing. And I'm like, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, first of all, not everybody loves this game, especially the big guys. The number of big guys that play professional basketball only because they're big and hate it is a higher number than people want to realize. But their whole lives, because they were huge, everybody's like, you should play basketball. And then it's a pretty good life. Pretty good life if you can do it for 10 years. But basketball people will tell you more often than not, a lot of the really big dudes, I'm not saying it's over 50%, but there's a lot of those guys that actually don't love it. So that tells me Wimbanyama absolutely loves it, even though, yes, he's under contract. Yes, he's a professional. And he's being compensated for some of the other workout stuff. But to add to your Koulibaly point, Apparently, like during the playoffs, he was still calling back to the States, trying to figure out how he could get in for workouts whenever their series, which they got swept by Monaco, whenever that was over. And, and teams loved it. And teams loved it. Uh, he doesn't shoot a ton. You know, he doesn't get a ton of opportunities. I feel like I he's don't care about that a lot. Yeah, when you're right. 18. I was All talking right. with somebody about Scoot because we, we've been, KOC and I have been arguing about Scoot. And I was like, go look at Donovan Mitchell's freshman year. Scoot's going to be fine. Like these guys who are who are like, well, oh, I'm missing this. I'm going to spend the whole summer until I can do this. Like Mitchell, his freshman year in Louisville was he was he sucked, and then sophomore year in Louisville he added some stuff, and now he is who he is. I think Mitchell. I mean, uh, I think Scoot. If you're worried about his outside shot, like, don't worry about that. That dude will be trapped in a gym until he can get to where he wants to go. Uh, Kulabali, yeah. Grady Dick, uh, if Dallas keeps that pick, that seems like a guy who would make sense for them, though. <laughs> yeah, but didn't they just, wasn't there some leak two weeks ago? It's like, we're not taking Grady Dick. Like, remember when Dallas, all of yeah. a sudden people were like, why is Cuban stacking this roster with white guys? What's going on with Cuban? Oh, and it Jesus. was like, remember, though, that was like actually kind of a talking point. It was like, I don't know. I think Maxi Kleber's pretty good. But I think they had, what, Kleba, they had, Bertans, they had Przingis, Lucas right, worked right. out. Right. It was like getting real Hoosiers. What do you have for uh, a trade? Do you have any more? Yeah. Trey Young for Paul George. Making a face. I think I had Paul George higher than him in the trade value. Even with the injuries? I like it as a basis. I think you're on to something with it. Think about Here's it if you're Atlanta. It's DeJounte, then Paul George, and then whatever what other pieces you 
Like, even though you kind of thought, hey, this DeJounte thing defensively helps the Trey part of it, and Trey might be the Zion rule where it's like, look, they actually have their local star. So whatever you think of Trey, there's extra value to him being in Atlanta that you can't understand when you're outside of that market. So I think that's a real thing that you would have to factor in. But yeah. maybe it allows the Clippers to at least be like, hey, at least this dude plays all the time. And positionally, it allows DeJounte to just kind of run it. And then if Paul George is healthy, still a hell of a player. But I don't know if Atlanta would do it. I think the star point is a great point. Like whether or not he's a promised land guy, he still fits in with the city and people do like him. And they, I don't know, he had a moment against Philly a couple of years ago. And then it's like, here's Paul George. I don't know. So he's got a good podcast. Check it out. Could, could Murray be in that trade instead? Could it be a Murray and John Collins for Paul George? Is that enough? With Murray with Clippers? a year left. I don't know. I you well, you and I are aligned in that. I think the Clippers are kicking the tires a lot harder than people realize right now. They have this new arena in a year, and it is lingering over. I think this whole summer and and fall of decisions for them, because on the one hand, it's like, can we win a title with the team we have? I think the answer would be no. Then it's like, what the fuck do we do with Kawhi? Well, you're stuck with him because whatever trade value has isn't going to be worth what you get back. Um, and how do we open an arena in a year if we have another disappointing season? So I think for them, Trey would be like, this is great. This is somebody we could put on the fucking posters, you know, for like the casual fans out here. People like us, maybe not as excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Yeah, but like I my, would my have buddy to, Nathan's I, son, right. who's a huge Clipper fan, he'd be like, "Oh my God, we got Trey Young. He's 14, but right. he would be super excited that they got Trey Young." It's like I play him on 2K. This is great. Paul George, that contract's 42 million. Goes up next year and the year after, and keeps going up. That's that almost seems like you'd be want to get out of the Trey Young business if you're doing that trade. Um, is there any other Dame trade that you could think of? Because people are defaulting to Miami. I think Brooklyn is a real possibility if he actually gets shopped. Is there anywhere else you've heard or you think makes sense? Because for him to go, it'd have to be a team that was at least veering toward being a finals team, right? Milwaukee, I couldn't figure out a, a, a spot. Um, Philly, there's no way. He's going down the line, and I, I don't know what the trade is. If I'm Milwaukee, I don't really want to mess with it. You know, like, it's easy to go, you lost to the eight seed, what's wrong with you? The Giannis stuff's always going to be forgotten. Middleton was, I thought he actually looked better, you know, and they have their own decision with Middleton. So I always he wondered fit, if they He would, fits your Przingis point, from Middleton. Right. I want, give me some years, man. How about 120 for four, and let's lock that down. But I, I still feel like I'd be a little hesitant to mess with it. And I know I sound boring or I sound like stubborn about some of this stuff, but I actually think it's the way you kind of do the job. Like, as disappointing as this was, if you're Milwaukee and things break your way next year, that's why even when you say, hey, I think the Lakers are the second best team in the NBA after watching the Nuggets series, it's it's not it's not wrong, but I think it's still dismissive of Milwaukee. Season. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought they were the second best team 
if you remove the part where Giannis broke his back during the middle of the series. Right. So and uh and they and they went sideways. So I kept trying to figure out like what fits the Dame standard. And it's funny too, like how the years go by, like Dame's only gonna have a year left after this year. So, you know, it felt like this absurd commitment not that long ago. And now we're kind of in the middle of it now. And you're like, all right, it's only two more years. And damn, when he plays, he's been really good. But he is so bad defensively. If I'm a contender and I kind of like where I'm at, I don't I don't know if he if there's a and honestly, Drew Holiday's probably not somebody that they would want to bring back. Uh I just I you know for a contender, I, I don't know, maybe the Knicks. I think the Knicks have enough pieces that could at least get the conversation going, and then it would be Dame's. But then again, with Jack, with uh, excuse me, with Brunson, that doesn't make any fucking sense either. You know, having two guards that are ball dominant dudes that aren't exactly defense first, so the Knicks thing doesn't really make any sense with Brunson there. So it depends on what Dame's, you know, how much he's willing to work with the team and all that kind of stuff. But there aren't a lot of fits; there just aren't. I had a hard time figuring out the Knicks for this exercise because I don't know what their goals are for next year. You know. Like the Randall situation where he was really hurt his ankle. I think, I just don't think as a trade asset, you're not getting, you, you're much better off running it back with him and showing him that he's healthy again. And then thinking January, February, if you're trying to trade him. Other than that, they, you know, they have about as many picks as anybody from a team that would be motivated to trade. But a team that we didn't talk about that I just have to mention is San Antonio. From an asset standpoint, they have Atlantis first in 25 and 27, and they have a pick swap with Atlanta in 26. They have Charlotte's 24 or 25 first, which is protected top 14. And they have Boston's 28 first, which is protected top four. And they also have a shitload of cap space. And they have this guy coming in that by all counts is going to be special right away. And maybe not special like, oh my God, I can't believe he's in the Western Finals. He's 19. But I think they're going to be good. I think if he's on the court, I think it's going to be really hard for them not to at least be like a 500 team, especially with some of the other pieces they have. And I wonder, like, could this be like a stealth, go get a second star right now team and kind of see what it looks like with all the other pieces they have? Because they have the cap space to do it. They got, you know, they McDermott's making like 14 for them. And they could go flip McDermott for somebody with a much bigger contract and throw some picks in and just see what it looks like. But what do you think about if you're San Antonio, would you wait a year or would you be like, you know what? This guy's good. Like, fuck it. What I do is I'd offer, and I I think Houston might do this too, the Jabari Parker stuff that happened with Chicago. You're like, why is Jabari Parker getting 21, 22 million for one year? You were like, well, they overpaid. They used the cap space. They got to the floor, but they didn't want any commitment beyond that. So it might be right. higher average annual salaries that you could admit with some of these guys in the past. But no, I don't. San Antonio is not really like that. I mean, granted, again, they're going to have to spend it on somebody. Um, do you know what their cap is? Do I know how Basically far below the cap? 79.8. They got Keldon Johnson at 20, McDermott at 13.7. Devontae Graham at 12.1. And then it just goes into the Zach Collins and then rookie contracts. Devin Vassell, Sohan. Um, you know, there's guys maybe they'd want to bring back like Trey Jones. But they have they have a lot of room to do stuff. They could also just, you know, they if I were them, 
and I've, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. I would just go max out Austin Reeves and make the Lakers match it. I would do that on the first day I could do it. Here's 98.7. Go ahead, match it. Because Austin Reeves would be like perfect for this team. You know, and I really value that guy. I think he's a good player. And for that price, like, you know, you if you can get a guy like that who could be in the fourth quarter of real playoff games and have the ball and you're only paying like 20 million for him, I, I would... I wouldn't blink. I would do it. Rui, I would not. Rui, I'd, I'd feel uh, less bullish on. I would have real hesitations of paying Rui that kind of money, considering like we watched in Washington. You were like, what is the deal with this guy? And then he was so good in different playoff spots in the series that it almost makes me feel worse about the contract. If that if that doesn't make any sense, I understand yeah. it. But like we're like, wait, what? And you could say, well, no, it's just I thought a lot of that stuff was him doing it on his own and being determined. And hitting shots. I don't think it was because it was all of a sudden he's playing with Jokic or something where you look at a guy and be like, okay, well, he looked better here because the situation was obviously a lot better for him. So the Reeves one, you know, to hear a hundred million dollar sticker price, there's probably some recoil. But look, if he's 80, that means he's a hundred. You know, if you think he's worth 80, oh, he's not 20. more than eight. Yeah, okay. That yeah. means he's a hundred. So for San Antonio, knowing it's one of the younger player extensions that if you get it wrong, it's not crippling. But I don't know, like, what's Austin Reeves wrong? Like, what's the wrong part of that? You know, his whole life he's had to fight and tell people and show people with his his approach that, like, no, I'm into this. And he, it's not like he's really small. And he can shoot. And he can handle. I think he flops a lot, but whatever. That was why he fit in so perfectly. Um, I, I don't know how that one three years from now you're going, man, what a huge mistake. Like, we there's bought no into way. the hype. Right. Yeah, there's no way. The really thing, LeBron sometimes it's a sink or swim thing with the role guys. And there's certain cases where playing with LeBron, it just brings out the best. It's like, I'm playing one of the best players. I've got to bring my A game. And it really felt like it had an impact on Rui because I never saw him give a shit on the Wizards like that. So, and he's a bigger spotlight. You're playing for another contract. Like there's real reasons for it. But if you just put him on like Houston next year, does that happen? No. Reeves, I think, I just think his game translates to different types of offenses. He knows how to play with the basketball. He knows how to play off guys. He can get to the free throw line, which I love. He's a good shooter. And we watched him in big games come through. So if I were them, I would think about doing that. And I would think about taking a swing at one of these dudes. Like maybe that's a Siakam team. You know, maybe just get two awesome guys, put them next to Wemby. And and uh, I think you and I both like Vassell. We both like Sohan. Kelvin Johnson's a fun guy to have on your team. I don't know if he's like going to be the third best yeah. guy in a championship team, but he's a good guy and he's got a good contract. So um, that's a team I would like to see do something. I was trying to figure out an Oklahoma City one with the picks and I lost it here somewhere. So I reinvented it here on the fly. But I'll, be, I'll admit every single Oklahoma City thing that I think of, I just think they would say no to it all the time. Yeah. Because I just don't think that they're going, all right, let's use our picks and one of these like they have to see who some of these other young dudes are. So I try well, to before make you it tell simple. us the trade, what do you what do you think they need? What would you be targeting if you were Presti's lead advisor? I think they have a philosophy. I, I think it's it's about guys comfortable with the basketball in their hands. It's very clear that's what they've done, whether it's Jalen Williams or Giddy or Chet or um, you know, even Dort a little bit there. It seems like other people talk about this around the league. So when you look at it, like even Usman Jang, like I liked him as a prospect because he was so big. And towards the end of his last run in Australia's league, he 
was like, oh, he's actually like figuring out some pick and roll coverage stuff here. Like totally raw the first half of the previous year before he got drafted. You're like, all right, he's big and cool. But then you're like, oh, wait, he's actually like seeing some things. So if you look at their draft picks, it actually all kind of plays out where you're like, oh, okay. They need they want to have multiple decision makers that are all huge on the floor at the same time. So I don't know that they're stockpiling all this stuff to make some big swing in it, but I still tried. So I had to fix it here. So sorry for the delay before. Would you do Dort and Trey Man for Jared Allen? I wouldn't. If you're OKC or Cleveland? I wouldn't if I was OKC. I had Jared Allen in some trades, though, because he was so bad in the playoffs. <laughs> it, it was like, I, I actually would trade for him. If, I would trade him if I was Cleveland, and I also would be afraid to trade for him if I was somebody else because it was that bad. Because the only thing I'm thinking about when I look at OKC is I go, you know, they had the other Jalen Williams essentially playing center a ton this year. And you go, okay, if you're going to play in the playoffs, I think you at least need the option of having a traditional big now with the way some of these teams are playing. Like, yeah. don't, don't be so obsessed with five out that you don't even have anyone on your roster that can handle another team that may be in the playoffs. You're, it's big. And maybe you feel like Oklahoma City is still a year away from having to plan out their playoff map of it. I think for I, Cleveland, I actually it, don't. I I really do not agree with that. If people are like, no, no, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I that team was good last year, and you had Chet, and I I agree with you. If you add one more big guy to that, that's a fucking bitch in the playoffs. They have a go to guy, and Giddy's just going to get better and better and better as this goes. He's not even twenty one yet. I'm in on that team. Would you say yes if you're Cleveland though? Because really, it's a Dort Allen trade. I mean, I guess I have still have a. Little I, bit I would. I value Dort more than Allen. I would say yes. Okay. Is that Dort's would, a playoff guy? Dort would be perfect for them because of the guard situation defensively. You'd be like, okay, you're going to throw Dort into the mix here. Um, and you know, that's I, a fun I, one. I really think the Mobley Allen thing was super scary in the playoffs because you're like, wait, does this mean they have two non-offensive initiating guys? And when they're rebounding, you're like, oh, okay, it's worth it. But I don't know. That Knicks series, man, was like that would that would be haunting me if I were if I were Kobe. I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I was thinking about them for Phoenix with Aiton, because Allen makes twenty and Aiton makes thirty. And if you're Cleveland, would you do Allen and some filler for Aiton because you feel like maybe you're upgrading at center with the guy who's had more success in the playoffs than Allen did? And if you're Phoenix, would you do it? Because ultimately you're getting Allen at 20 instead of Aiden at 30. You're just chopping 10 million off with a, you know, and you're, and you're out of the Aiden business. I actually think I would do if I were Phoenix. Cause I think Allen is totally okay with whatever his role is. And I don't yeah. think you can say that about Aiden. Just so people know from an OKC standpoint, they have Houston's 24 and 26 first, top four protected. They have a 25 swap in, in, uh, that's top 10 protected. They have 24 and 26 first from LAC, the Clips, and the ability to swap with them in 25. It's a lot of stuff. Like if they really wanted to go in, if they wanted to make a, like we'd, some of the names we talked about, like Siakam and people like that, if they wanted to go all in on like a real, a real guy to put with that team. 
it, like we talked about Beal, like we can end on this, but like we talked about Beal, like that 30 points a game, like what did that ultimately mean versus what we saw with, um, with SGA last year? I just thought what SGA did was so much harder and more impressive than just kind of casually putting up the 30. Like that team had no center. They had no size at all. Um, they were super young and they really had no business being around 500 and being like a, like a bitch of a playing team to try to battle. And I, you know, I would like to see that guy on a really good team at some point soon. So maybe Presti's history has not been to roll the dice with trades. And like we saw, if you go through the, um, the Duran era, I'm post Harden. He he just didn't really make moves. Like they didn't make big swing moves. Jeff Green for Kendrick Perkins was probably other than the Harden trade. The yeah, but the hard swing was, trade, Harden the hard trade was, was a was money an trade. Yeah, right. But Perkins Green was actually like, oh, this is a swing. Like they they actually think they're going to be good. Other than that, they really didn't do much. Like they traded Reggie Jackson. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Ennis no, Cantor no. trade at one point. Oh, uh, Paul George though was a big deal. That was no, a big I'm, swing. I'm talking about when Durant was there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Um, that's fair. All right. And then the only other one we didn't mention was Utah, who has four Minnesota first and a 28 pick swap, three Cleveland first and two pick swaps. So just a staggering amount of assets, but I have no feel or idea what their plan is. Do you? No, other than the marketing price is really high, as it should be. And now you wonder, you know, he's still young enough that I wouldn't get obsessed with his timeline shit. I, I thought he was so good this year. You know, it can be the opportunity, but it was efficient though. You know, it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to take a million shots. He just became a much better player. And he was part of the reason why, like OKC for a while, you're like, how are they good? Um, but him and Kessler is the foundation of, you're heading somewhere, but they you need, need a one guard. More big ass right. piece. They they're probably going to draft a guard for whichever one is left. I mean, normally you know, teams Ainge doesn't give a shit. Like he's not going to draft based on need. But it's pretty clear they need guard depth here pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Unless you think Sexton's going to be the guy, which is a nice contract. They got him on a decent deal because he was hurt. You like him more than me. I think I'm okay um, with him. You know, I'm not. Well, you're doing draft stuff all week and it seems like Scoot the Char- at least the betting action seems to indicate Scoot's going to go to Charlotte and Brandon Miller is going to go to Portland unless there's some giant smoke tr- smoke screen shit happening the real draft starts with Houston at four and then uh, I-, I think four to twelve is really hard to figure out this year and, and um we have the Pistons at five, who my guess is they wouldn't take a guard. You have Orlando with two picks. My guess is they don't want both of them. And if they take both of them, that will mean some deal fell through or something they want to do didn't happen. Like we didn't even talk about whether if you're Charlotte, would you take six and 11 and Suggs for number two? I don't think you would. No, I don't think, I don't think six and 11 gets you to two even with Suggs. Should we bring in Saruti before we go? Father's Day? Yeah. Saruti, would you do would you do six, eleven, and Suggs for number two? 
the word on the street is that the Magic are they like they like Scoot and they're trying, but I don't know if it's going to be possible. I there's think word I, on the street, Rosillo. Listen, this, this is just Twitter, Twitter, Reddit, out. whatever. I don't have. There's no sources on this, but Kyle, you know, turn on TikTok. The, yeah, exactly. Breaking news here. <laughs> uh, I think I would now. I've kind of come around on the Scoot thing, and I think you know. I know Ryan doesn't. Don't worry about the timeline thing. I just I think the timeline makes sense. Everything you hear about Scoot is that he's a freaking awesome character, dude, and he's going to work his ass off. And um, that my only concern would be I j- I just really like Fultz as the point guard for like what those other two guys, Fultz, uh, Franz and and Paolo, want to do as like offensive guys. But I don't know, man. You get Scoot in there. Like I I think at the end of the day, are you going to do better than Scoot with with you know whatever assets you can pair together to get somebody else? Because I don't know that there's a veteran out there that I'm dying to do that for. So honestly, I think I would do that. Would you? Do six eleven and Suggs for Lamelo? Because I feel like the answer is no. I don't. Yeah, I'm just not a Lamelo guy. I'm sorry. Like I like uh, I like watching I feel. my Charlotte. I, I, I think Scoot has more value than Lamelo. It's weird. I we like seen Scoot Uh-oh. yet. Uh-oh. I like and am rooting for Lamelo. It's not. A, it's, this is an anti Lamelo thing. I just don't know that I like him with this Magic team. Whereas I think Scoot might make a little bit more sense. You know, granted, you know, I've never obviously we haven't seen him play an NBA game yet, but the Lamelo stock is sort of low. I just feel like you could maybe do better than that. What do you think, Priscilla? This is always such a dangerous, dangerous deal to be like valuing guys we haven't seen play over guys we have. But yeah, I still like Scoot better than Lamelo. As always, especially coming off the playoffs, I try to picture different guys in the finals and the series that we just watched. And Lamelo's game is just weird. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's pretty unique. I, I, is it's his fun. destiny going to be? It's like that joke I always have about when you see on Twitter where it's like, you know, white chocolate was a problem. <laughs> and it's like a 90 second clip of white chocolate. It was like, Stefan Merber, it was a problem. And all these dudes, Steve Francis was a problem. And I just wonder if LeBron, if Lamelo is a dot, dot, dot was a problem guy and not a guy I can actually try to win the title with. The Jason Williams one is the best one because it was so much fun until you were like, wait, what's he shoot again? <laughs> like, who's he defend? Wait, why did he just airball that 29 footer? Wait, what? What happened? So when it was happening in the beginning, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like how this guy goes late in the draft. And then, you know, it was fun. But then the rest of the flaws of his game crept in and then teams kind of like figured it out a little bit. And to be fair, bad, he did but, play on that 06 Heat team, but it was a different stripped-down version of him. This is a version of a question you've asked me before because you asked me about this guy to be traded to the Magic 2. Who, if you had to like, buy low on somebody's stock right now and you're, you're offered LaMelo or Jalen Green, who are you taking? I think Jalen Green's stock is a little lower just because he was on two bad teams. Nobody so knows what's there, really. You're more likely to buy low on him then. If both guys are available, whatever you have to like, you know, you're a bad team and you're just like, hey, we could take a shot on this guy. You would say Jalen Green. I'd probably say LaMelo personally. I think I would. But I think it's a good argument. I'd rather have Jalen Green. Fun argument. Rosilla, where are you on Cam Whitmore before we go? Has he officially reached the Westbrook 2008? I can't believe this guy went fourth. But all of uh, a sudden he went fourth. Is it, is that in play for him? Do you see Sam Vecini had him ahead of Brandon Miller? He has Scoot two, Whitmore three, Miller four. And I was like, whoa, because you know, we like Sam. He does a really good job. 
He does. Uh, but I've not seen anybody crack the top three. I've seen different versions of Scoot and Miller after Wembanyama, but I hadn't seen anybody. He hasn't, he hasn't third. I was like, man, uh, I love guys with a motor and Cam has that man. He does not stop. He goes the whole time. He also goes left, but he goes by everybody all of the time. Um, mm. It's really weird because I, I, no one has agreed with me on this. Did we talk about this last week where I'm almost like, is this actually going to work this well? Every single time he just goes past the dude every time, but it's also a combination of quickness and his strength, because even if you meet him, he just goes into you and then he scores that way. So if he goes by you, he scores. If he goes into you, he scores. Uh, he is not super interested in passing though. 6% assist rate on a hundred <laughs> mm. per 100 possessions. 6%. It's pretty low. That's a nice prize for you at six. Saruti, but I don't think he's going to be there. He's not going to be there. I don't think so either. Yeah. Feels like he'll go five to Detroit, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think I he's mean, in play at four or five, but I just don't know that he'll be there in six. Hmm. All right, we'll, we'll see what happens. The the Magic feel destined to get a, a Thompson twin. That just it's what, whichever one is there. I think Taylor Hendricks also fits the fits the profile. Um. We'll be back on this podcast on Tuesday. Thanks, Rosillo. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Rosillo. Thanks to Steve Cerruti. Thanks, Kyle Creighton, for producing as always. And I will see you on the Rewatchables feed on Monday night. I will see you on this feed on Tuesday. And if you missed the NBA trade value thingy we did on Thursday on this podcast, we also ran it on the Ringers Big Rankings Guide where you can find Kevin O'Connor's uh, it's O'Connor. It's our whole NBA staff. Our top, I think, it's over a hundred players. We have trade value in there. We have the NBA offseason offer sheet thing. Also, the Ringers NBA draft guide as well, which is being updated with mock drafts, player rankings, and everything else heading into the draft on Thursday. I will see you on this feed on Tuesday. Take care. Happy Father's Day. I wanna see them on the way you saw. 